But Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 1 through verse 13, talking tonight on how to handle temptation, how to handle temptation. So Luke chapter 4, let's look beginning at verse number 1. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. How to handle temptation. Playwright Oscar Wilde, he said this, I can resist anything except temptation. I can resist anything except temptation. Now think about that statement. That's how a lot of people handle temptation. They don't fight it. They don't resist it. They simply give in to it. They don't try to avoid it. They don't try to flee from it. They simply give into temptation. I can do anything except resist temptation. I felt like that sometimes in my life. Depending on the temptation, depending on the circumstance, if we'll be honest, there's times we don't want to fight against it. There's times we don't want to flee from it. And so we simply come to the conclusion it's just easy to give in. But as God's people, we're supposed to resist temptation. As God's people, we're supposed to be overcomers. As God's people, we're supposed to be victorious over temptation. We're supposed to resist it. We're not supposed to give in to the flesh, the world, and the devil. He wants us to be victorious. That's what God expects of us. In fact, if we're going to be godly people, if we're going to be more and more like Jesus, we have to learn how to be victorious over temptation. And so tonight we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus while He's in the wilderness. You see, Jesus is our great example. He's the one that we're supposed to look to and how to deal with temptation. And from this text, we're going to learn some lessons on how to handle temptation. But before I give you those strategies on how to handle temptation, I want to give you three truths concerning temptation from this passage. Letter A, temptation can come to any person. Temptation can come to any person. Sometimes I believe we have this idea that because we're saved, because we're on our way to heaven, that we're exempt from temptation. That sometimes because we're being sanctified and because we're spirit-filled and tongue-talking believers, that somehow we are immune to being tempted by the devil. 
But here's the thing. If Satan had the audacity to tempt the very Son of God, don't you think he'll tempt you? If he comes to Jesus in the wilderness and tries to entice him and pull him away from doing what God wanted him to do, don't you think he's going to come and tempt us? If he tempted Jesus, we can rest assured that he is going to tempt us. In fact, let me say this to you. If you think that you're not going to be tempted, do you know what you're doing? You're tempting the devil to tempt you. If you think you're not going to be tempted, you're tempting the enemy to tempt you. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. He says, Therefore let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Now let's just look at that for a moment. Paul is telling us here that if, you, that if you think you're strong and you think that you can't fall and you think you can't be overcome, you better watch out because you're actually on the verge of falling. He says, take heed. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You know, the writer of Proverbs talks about pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before a fall. And that's what Paul has in mind here, that you have to be very careful about being puffed up with pride, thinking that you can't fall and you can't go down because then you're just on the verge of going under. Then look at verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. That simply means we all face temptation. You're not facing something that nobody has ever faced before. Temptation is inevitable. Temptation is common to all people. But God is faithful. Aren't you glad God's faithful? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able? That means that God's not, a go- not going to allow you to be so overwhelmed with temptation that you're going to fall prey to it. That means God's not going to allow you to be so overwhelmed and so, so enticed by something that you give in to it. Here's the thing. We give in to temptation because we want to give in to it. It's not because it's so powerful that it overwhelms us. We give in to it because that's what we want to do. Now let me just say something here. So many people take this verse and they want to apply it that God's not going to put more on you than what you can bear. But when I read the life of the Apostle Paul, I find sometimes he had things placed on him that was more than he was able to bear. This is talking about temptation. That God's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle and face. In other words, God's not going to set you up to fail. Because notice what it says next. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, God will make a way out. So you will be tempted. And let me say this, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's only when you give in to it that it becomes sin. And Paul says God's faithful and God will make a way of escape. God will make a way out. And you've got to understand that. But the thing is we need to understand temptation can come to any person. All of us here tonight have faced temptation and we will face temptation before we leave this world and go to be with God in heaven. The temptations change from us being teenagers to us being elderly people. They change, but temptation still comes. Amen? But let her be. Notice the second thing. Temptation can come at any time. Temptation can come at any time. Jesus had just been baptized and now He's been led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 4 says that He 
returned from the Jordan. That lets us know that Jesus, back in chapter 3, He had been baptized by John the Baptist. He went down into the Jordan River. He came up out of the water. The Spirit descended like a dove upon Him. A voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But now the Spirit of God automatically leads Him. Mark says it drove Him into the wilderness. And guess who meets Him in the wilderness? The devil does. Jesus just had a great spiritual moment. He just had a great spiritual experience. God affirmed Him. God approved Him. This is my Son. And now the devil shows up saying, If you are the Son of God. Trying to get Him to maybe question His identity. You see, our greatest temptations often come after great spiritual experience. Often after great church services, you better beware because the devil will show up. Just look through the Word of God you'll find that many of the men we put on pedestals and hold in high esteem after great spiritual moments, they sunk down low and faced temptation. Elijah on Mount Carmel prayed and fire fell from heaven. Killed 450 prophets of Baal. But all of a sudden he gets the word from Jezebel, by this time tomorrow I'm going to have your head. I'm going to kill you and do to you just what you did to my prophet. And he runs into the wilderness. He's depressed, discouraged, and gets under a tree and says, God, take my life. He just had a spiritual high, but now he's sunk down low. That's how the devil works. But also notice that Jesus, He's in the wilderness and He's fasting for 40 days. He's hungry, but He's also isolated and lonely. And at that precise moment, the devil comes. And what's the first temptation that He throws at Jesus? If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. I mean, 40 days of fasting, anybody would be hungry. And he comes with the lust of the flesh. Command these stones to be bread. Jesus is weak. He's vulnerable. And the devil sees an opportunity. And I tell you, Satan hadn't changed how he works. That's what he does today. He looks for moments when you're vulnerable. He looks for moments when you're weak. He looks for moments when you put down your guard. And He tries to attack. Yes, He comes after great spiritual moments. He comes after great mountaintop experiences. But He also looks for moments when you let down your guard. And He looks for moments when you are at your weakest and when you're most vulnerable. He looks for moments when you disconnect yourself from the house of God. He looks for moments when you're not praying like you ought to be praying. He looks for moments when you're not reading your Bible like you ought to be reading your Bible. He looks for those weak areas in your life. And that's why Paul says, neither give place to the devil. Don't give him a foothold in your life because when you do, he's going to wreak havoc of your life. He's going to steal, kill, and destroy. Can I just say something to you tonight? Satan doesn't play fair. He doesn't play by the rules. He's a liar. He's crafty. He's cunning. He's deceptive. 
And He's going to show up at any time He can to bring temptation. But let me give you something else here. Let her see. Temptation can come in any place. Jesus is in the wilderness. And notice that He's led there by the Holy Spirit. You know what that tells me? He's in the will of God. Jesus never did anything that was not the will of God. He's led there by the Spirit of God. I know that sometimes we think that the Holy Spirit only leads us beside the still waters, but sometimes He'll lead you into the wilderness. Jesus is right where He's supposed to be. Doing what God has called Him to do. Amazing. But He's in the wilderness. And He's there fasting for 40 days, I believe, drawing closer to God. Trying to be intimate and commune with His Father. And the devil shows up to tempt him. But here's the thing. In this wilderness, being tempted by the devil, he is victorious. After these three temptations, and here's the thing. It takes place all 40 days. Satan coming, harassing him, attacking him. He is victorious. But here's the thing. Jesus is known as the last Adam. But you go back to the book of Genesis and you have the first Adam who's in the Garden of Eden. A place of beauty. A place, if you will, of perfection. A place where everything He wants is at His disposal. And there in the garden, Adam failed. Adam only had one thing he wasn't supposed to do. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he couldn't get that right. Adam in the garden disobeyed. And gave in to temptation. Jesus in the wilderness overcame. And here's the point. It doesn't matter whether you're in the garden or in the wilderness. Satan will come. In fact, let me say this. Satan will even pull up next to you in the church house and tempt you. He'll show up in the car on Sunday morning while you're headed to church and bring temptation. How many know what I'm talking about? He'll get you and your spouse fussing and fighting. And then you've got to go to church and try to worship. Or He'll get you in the church house when somebody don't shake your hand or somebody wants to say a little something a little cross to you and then He wants to get your mind off of worshiping God and off the Word. Don't matter where you are, He'll show up and bring temptation. You see, you can't run from it. You see, some people have this idea, if I could just get away from so-and-so, and if I could just leave this job behind, or if I could leave this place behind, and if I could move over here and, and just leave all this behind me, I could change my life. You see, that's what psychologists want to teach people. If you can change your environment, you can change a person. But here's the thing. It don't work. Because temptation will always find you, and Satan will always hunt you down. Listen, I understand that there are people that we can get around that can influence us the wrong way. And there's environments we can get in that can influence us the wrong way. But here's the thing. You can get away from that person in that environment, but guess what? You can always go somewhere else. And somebody like that person will show up over here. Because Satan's out to still kill and destroy. 
The temptation can come at any place. In the garden or in the wilderness. There's no place that is exempt or immune from your being tempted. So with those three truths in mind about temptation, I'm going to give you five strategies for overcoming temptation. Number one, be much alone with God. Be much alone with God. Notice that Jesus has spent 40 days of fasting. Again, I believe He spent this time drawing close to God. Now some believe that He actually went out there to deliberately engage Satan. Some believe that He actually went out there to kind of go toe-to-toe with Satan. To have a match against His rival. I don't believe that's what took place whatsoever. I believe the Spirit of God led him out there so that he could spend time being prepared for public ministry. I believe that he was out there fasting, communing with his Father, being ready to step on the scene to do what God had called him to do. But here's the thing, not only during these 40 days do we see him drawing near to his Father, but throughout the ministry of Jesus, we see him spending time with the Father. There were times that he would withdraw to lonely places and spend the entire night in prayer. And here's the thing, if Jesus had to spend that kind of time in prayer and that kind of time in fasting to draw near to his Father, how much more should you and I have to spend time in prayer and fasting to draw near? near to God. But I want you to be warned about something. Time alone with God can be a special time of drawing near to Him, but, but it can also be an intense time of temptation because here's the thing, it's while He's fasting, it's while He's praying, it's while He's communing with God that He's tempted. Think about that. It's while He's fasting that the devil shows up. I don't know about you, but any time I've ever fasted, I don't know, my, 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 my physical hunger seems to always go through the roof sometimes. And, and you kind of get this, this fasting's wasting your time. I mean, ever kind of get that, 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 that idea, that voice, you're wasting your time doing this. And then you try to pray sometimes and you get all this other stuff that begins to come into your mind that God's not hearing you. And you ought to be spending your time doing all this other stuff. Where do you think some of that stuff comes from? The enemy. All day long you hadn't been thinking about the stuff you're thinking about when you go to pray and read your Bible. All of a sudden you begin to think about it. I believe a lot of that comes from the enemy. Why? Because he doesn't want us to commune with the Father. Time alone with God doesn't prevent temptation, but it will strengthen us to overcome it. Spending time with God isn't going to make temptation go away. It's not going to stop the enemy from attacking us, but it will help us be prepared to overcome it. Amen? You see, if you're consistently in God's Word, if you're consistently in prayer, you can be ready for whatever the enemy throws against you. You have to be much alone with God. But secondly, be prepared to be tempted. You have to be prepared to be tempted. You see, we have to walk with God every day and always be on guard against temptation. 
Remember, temptation can come at any time and it can come in any place. So you always have to be on guard against the attack of Satan. And so a good way to be prepared against temptation is to remember your weaknesses. Think about how you are vulnerable. And let me say it this way. Don't set yourself up to fail. A lot of people set themselves up to fail. What what, what do I mean by that? If you know you struggle with something, don't put yourself in that situation. I had a guy one time where I pastored. Struggled with alcohol. And he came in one day and said that God delivered him. I think I've told you this before. But he said he wasn't going to empty the cabinets of the alcohol until God told him to. And I'm just thinking, you are an alcoholic and you say God delivered you, but you're not going to pour it out until you say God tells you to pour it out. And in my mind, I'm thinking how foolish can you be. That's just failure waiting to happen. There's a lot of people out there. You, you, you get husbands at times who get addicted to pornography, but they don't cut the internet out. Well, preacher, that's a little too drastic. Well, here's the thing. How do you want to deal with sin? Because listen, if you play with a snake that's poisonous, it's going to bite you. Jesus said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your right eye offends you, pluck it out. And it don't mean literally, but He's saying you've got to take sin seriously. You've got to deal with it. Let's use the old Barney Fife expression, nip it in the bud. You've got to take care of it. Amen? But so many people want to play around with sin. They want to... See how close they can get to the line. But you can't do that. You see, here's the thing. I didn't put this in my notes. I actually took it out of my notes. I had it in there took it out. But here's the thing. For most of us, temptation, there's a pattern that goes with it. And you've got to figure out how to break the pattern. There's usually a path that, that leads us into sin. And you've got to figure out how to get off the path somewhere. You've got to change something. Again, it might be that person, it might be that environment, and you've got to change. You can't keep doing what you've always done and think you're going to get different results. You see, temptation shouldn't take us by surprise. We should expect it to come. We, we should, listen, we, we should understand that there is a bullseye on us as believers and the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take us down. And so every day we've got to be preparing ourselves for battle. That means we've got to get up each morning, put on the armor of God and say, I'm ready to go to war. We've got to spend time in prayer. Spend time in God's Word. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from 
the evil one. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We, we need to be praying, God, help me to see the attacks of the enemy. Help me to see what he's trying to do in my life. Help me to avoid temptation. Deliver me from what he's trying to work against me. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Notice this. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. What did Jesus tell the, the disciples? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. You've got to be alert. What's the next? In 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You've got to be alert. You have to plan in advance how you're going to gain victory over temptation. I used to tell young people this when I was in youth ministry, that when it came to dating, it's too late to decide what you're going to do when you're in the back seat alone. It's too late. You need to go ahead and make up your mind you're not going to get alone in the back seat. You've already got to have a plan in place. In other words, you've got to know what you're going to do when temptation comes. Listen to these verses. Job 31 verse 1. He said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? Job already had a plan in place. I've made a covenant with my eyes. He said, I'm not going to look lustfully after a young woman. Look at the next verse, Psalm 17, verse 3. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. How about this one, Psalm 39, verse 1. I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. And then how about Daniel, chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He purposed in his heart he wouldn't defile himself. Think about Joseph. Potiphar's wife tried to get Joseph to lay down with her. Joseph was a man of Dignity, a man of respect, and he he wouldn't sin against Potiphar, but he wouldn't sin against God, and he ran out the house. Long before that ever took place, I believe Joseph knew what he was going to do when temptation came. You've got to have a plan. You've got to be prepared for temptation. Let me give you a third thing: be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll, you'll notice in verse 1 of Luke 4 that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and He was led by the Spirit when He was tempted. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Now let me say this, being full of the Holy Spirit is not going to insulate you from temptation. But if you'll walk in the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Here's what Paul said in Galatians 5 verse 16. Galatians 5 verse 16. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Now notice Paul doesn't say that the desires of the flesh aren't going to be there. They're still going to come. The lusts of the flesh are still going to present themselves to you. They're still going to try to entice you and pull you away. But he says if you'll walk in the Spirit, if you'll surrender to the Spirit and live under the Spirit's influence and control, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You want to know why we give in to the desires of the flesh? We don't walk in the Spirit. That's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? You see, as you live the Christian life, you're either walking in the Spirit or walking in the flesh. That's it. The answer to living a victorious life is walking in the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I understand that when you're saved, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you at the moment of regeneration. We're indwelt by the Spirit of God. But Ephesians 5.18 talks about being filled with the Spirit. Empowered by the Holy Ghost. Listen, we need to be filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18 it talks about continually being filled with the Spirit. Not just something that you got 15 years ago and you, and, and, and you sat down and that's it. Listen, you need to always be being filled Constantly, continually being filled with the Spirit. Listen, you need the you need the Spirit of God in your life to go to Walmart these days. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. If He had to be full, we need to be full. What makes us think we we need the Holy Spirit less than Jesus did? We need Him more. Each day we've got to surrender to the Holy Spirit and walk in dependence on Him. And I'm afraid that too often we're not walking in dependence on the Holy Spirit. We walk around saying, I can do this, I can overcome on my own, I can get through this by myself. Listen, we've got to learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit of God. We could, we could avoid a whole lot of trouble if we just learn how to surrender to Him. We could keep ourselves out of a whole lot of mess if we learn how to surrender to Him. When you begin to get those proddings in your life, when you begin to get those nudges in your life saying, hey, you don't need to go there, you don't need to do that, that's the Holy Spirit of God trying to keep you out of trouble. That's the Holy Spirit of God trying to keep you from ruining your life, messing up your family, destroying your reputation. You need to listen. You need to surrender. That's the key to the Christian life. The Holy Spirit. That's it. Listen, you hear a lot of self-help preaching today. Five principles to this and ten steps to this. You want to know the key to living the Christian life? The Spirit of God. You see, there's a lot of people who, who, who grew up in church and it was all it was all legalistic, it was all rules-based, tell me how to do this, tell me how to do that, just tell me what to do and not what to do. That's not the key to freedom, that's not the key to liberty, that's not the key to living a life that pleases God. The key to living a life to please God is the Spirit. And if we'll learn how to just be Spirit-led, Spirit-filled, we can walk in freedom and enjoy everything He has for us. 
He'll show us what to do. We ought to get up every day of our lives and spend some time in His presence until we're full. Sadly, we don't have, or we say we don't have, time for that. But we'll get up in the morning, we'll fill ourselves with the newspaper, fill ourselves with the TV. I want to be full of Him. Number four, be armed with Scripture. You'll notice that each time Satan attacked Jesus, Jesus used Scripture. In fact, each time Jesus quoted Scripture, He was quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. Let me ask you a simple question. How many verses of Scripture do you know from the book of Deuteronomy? <laughs> Sadly, I don't know any. Other than man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, because Jesus quoted it here. You shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus quoted it here. Outside of that, there's not a whole lot of Deuteronomy that I know. But Jesus knew Scripture. And if we're going to use Scripture like Jesus did, you know what that means? You've got to spend time in Scripture. And you've got to memorize it. And I, now I've never pushed memorizing Scripture a whole lot, and I don't spend really any time trying to memorize Scripture. I just try to read it, study it, and it just kind of fills my life, and at the moment the Spirit of God brings things out. But here's the thing, when Satan comes knocking on your door and he comes attacking, you can't always pull out a Bible and a concordance. So you got to know it. In fact, the days in which we're living in, there may come a time where you can't pull out a Bible anymore because they try to take it from you. And so you better have it hid in your heart. Because here's something I want you to notice about the text in Luke 4, around verse 10, verse 11, I believe it is Satan quoted Scripture. And if you don't know it, and he starts quoting it, he might lead you astray. It is imperative and of utmost importance we spend time in the Word of God. That's why as best I can, I preach the way that I do. Just kind of verse by verse and just work through the text. Because I want us to know the Word of God. We need to be people of the book. Because when Satan comes attacking, you need to be able to say like Jesus, it is written. In Ephesians 6, Paul, he's talking about the armor of God. and He gives us a weapon that we can use. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, he tells us this, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have a weapon that we can use against the enemy. In fact, it's one of the greatest weapons we have. It's the Word of God. It's sharp and it'll cut. But you have to know how to use it. And the only way that you can use it is to be familiar with it. It's our sword that we can defeat the enemy with. So here's what I'd say to you tonight before we give the final point. If there's a, a, a certain temptation that you have, a certain sin that you struggle with, I'd find every verse of Scripture I could in the Word of God. Write them down. 
and commit them to memory. If there's something you struggle with over and over again, you can't seem to break it, you can't seem to, to get rid of it, you can't seem to overcome it, I'd find every verse I could in the Bible, write them down on an index card, and begin to commit them to memory. And when the devil brings that temptation to you and he begins to try to entice you to commit that sin, you just begin to quote the Word of God to him. Well, listen, it's hard to sin when you're quoting Scripture. Isn't it? It'd be hard to go out and try to do something wrong when you're quoting the Word of God out of your mouth. But be armed with Scripture. And number five, be ready for further attacks. Look at verse 13 again. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune Jesus' victory over Satan wasn't final, and neither is ours. In other words, you can win a victory today, but guess what? Satan's going to wait and bide his time, and he's going to show up again. You can overcome today, and he might not show up tomorrow. He might not show up the next day. But you can rest assured he's going to show up again. In this life, temptation will always return. It did for Jesus, and it will for us. Here's what somebody once said, and I quote, Temptations, unlike opportunities, will always give you many second chances. Temptations, unlike opportunities, will always give you many second chances. It takes constant vigilance. Overcome temptation. It keeps coming. Regardless of how old you get, no matter how long you've been saved, temptation keeps coming. We'll never have complete final victory until we see Jesus face to face. I wish I could tell you that, hey, the longer you stay in this thing and the longer you live, the temptation will subside but you'll never have total victory until you meet Jesus in heaven. You can be sanctified, spirit-filled, talk in tongues every day. And that'll help you deal with it. But it's still coming. It's still coming. The only way we escape it is when we meet Him in glory. If we put on the armor of God, we can stand against the attacks of the enemy. But here's the thing. Just because you gain victory today, you can't put down your guard and you can't relax because He's coming. He's going to attack again. I close with this little story. There was a little girl. And she asked. She was asked one day, Has, does Satan ever tempt you to do wrong? And she replied, oh yes. But when He knocks at the door of my heart, I just pray, Lord Jesus, please go answer the door for me. What happens then, she was asked, everything turns out alright. When Satan sees Jesus, he runs away every time. 
In her simple faith, that little girl realized that even the strongest Christian is no match for the devil. Only Jesus has defeated him. So we must be strong in the strength of our Lord. You know, that's what Paul talked about in Ephesians 6. That we're to be strong in the power and might of God. And so I close with this. That if we're going at a full trust in Jesus, if we'll walk in His strength every day, we can handle whatever the enemy throws against us. Amen? Would you stand with me?